Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high achieving and ambitious mid level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. How how are you doing? How's it going? Uh, we're going to talk today about how to really prepare for a job interview. I've done lots of episodes on how to answer various types of interview questions, and you're welcome to go back into the, the catalog and find those. So today I kind of want to come at it from a little bit of a different angle kind of everything that surrounds the job interview as opposed to specific interview questions. I used to be amazed when I was the career center director at at universities, uh, career centers, and um, students would come in and, and say that they had a job interview and, you know, they would have mixed results about how they think it went. And when I queried them, they would say that they didn't prepare for the interview. And my thought was, you'll spend five, six, seven hours preparing for a single test in a single class, but you're not putting that kind of time and effort into a job interview. And it seems so counterintuitive to me. The last time I had a job interview, my goal as I prepared for that interview was that they wouldn't be able to throw me any curveballs. I would at least know what they were talking about if they brought up something that was going on at the university, a new initiative, something about a special program. And in fact, the comment that my future boss made at the end of the interview was he said, I felt more like you were interviewing us. And that was absolutely true because I was going to be traveling a thousand miles away from my home, moving moving my family uh, a thousand miles away to a state that I'd never been to prior to that interview. I wasn't about to do that without all of the preparation that I could possibly do, both in preparing for the interview, but also in making sure that this was a job that I actually wanted and really knowing enough about the university to be able to make an intelligent decision about that. So what I want to give you today are 11 tips to help you be optimally prepared for your next job interview. Number one is you want to carefully examine the job description. Now, this may sound very obvious, but I find that people don't really look at that and and make the necessary connections. This is a quote uh, from Indeed. During your prep work, you should use the employer's posted job description as a guide. The job description is a list of the qualifications, qualities, and background the employer is looking for in an ideal candidate. The more you can align yourself with these details, the more the employer will be able to see that you are qualified. The job description may also give you ideas about questions the employer may ask throughout the interview. So let's talk about what that looks like. If the employer, if, for example, if, if the job posting says that they have a high priority on a, a certain skill or a credential, then you want to make sure that you weave your ability 
with that skill or the fact that you have a certain credential into one or more of your interview answers. Obviously, it's there on the resume. It's it um, it's not as though they don't know about it, but you want to reiterate it. You want it to be top of mind for them. You never want to assume that they're making connections between things that you want them to make connections between. You really want to spoon feed them that connection. You can also use the job description to kind of anticipate behavioral questions that you may be asked. So when I'm working with a client one-on-one -on -one and doing interview prep, I want the job description of the position that they're applying for, and I'm looking through for those skills and competencies, and I'm building behavioral interview questions around that. And if you don't remember from previous podcast, behavioral questions are the ones that start like, tell me about a time when, describe a situation that... And they require you to give a specific story. They are not, you don't want to do kind of generalities for those questions or sort of hypotheticals. You want to give them a specific situation that you have encountered. And you can really look at that job description and get an idea of what behavioral questions might be asked. So that's number one. Number two Get crystal clear on why you want the job, why you want to work for that company, and what you bring to the table. You need to be able to clearly articulate what attracted you to the position, what attracted you to the company. And for some people, it's more about the position. And for other people, it's more about the company. Either one of those, it's not like you have to be completely attracted to both of them. I'm not suggesting that you manufacture enthusiasm. So let's just say that it's your dream job and it's kind of irrelevant to you what the company is. Well, then you're going to focus on why you want the job. I have a client yesterday who just got a job with a company that is, was one of her top companies. And so her enthusiasm is, is this is a way to get her foot in the door with this company. And you also want to talk about what you bring to the table. So why are you the best candidate for the job? And this really gets back to your brand. So if you haven't done that branding work to know what you bring to the table, why you are, you know, who you are, then that's work that really needs to be done. And rather than talking about how excited you are, because that's kind of a basic level to say, I'm very excited about this job because of you know, blah, blah. I want you to demonstrate your excitement for the job with tangible details as to the skills, the characteristics, the qualifications that you bring to the position. Because when you do that, your enthusiasm is kind of a natural byproduct. So that's number two. Number three, you want to conduct in-depth research. And this is an area that I think people don't, they either don't do it at all or they don't go far enough with it. So there's a few kind of levels of research that I want you to do prior to the job interview. So of course you want to research the company. And I recommend a, a good starting point is of course the company website. However, you want to understand that that is propagandized. That website is only going to have positive information on it. It's going to be very skewed. So I'm going to want to look at other resources. I might look at Wikipedia. I might look at, I'm going to certainly Google the company and see what has come up about them in the news. I want to look on um, any place that I can to find information about this organization. 
I also want to research the company culture. And the best place, in my opinion, to do that is on Glassdoor.com. If they are a big enough company that they have, people have reported on them on, on uh, Glassdoor. Another way that you can find it about the company culture is a little bit of kind of stealth um, work around people who currently work there or people who used to work there by reaching out to them on LinkedIn. It's very simple to say, I've got an interview at XYZ company coming up soon. And I would love to ask you a couple of questions about the company culture. Would you be open to that? So not everybody will be. Not everybody will. Maybe some people who have negative opinions won't want to share those if they still work there. But hopefully if you can get, you know, two or three people to speak with you, you'll have enough data points to get a sense of the company culture. Another thing you want to research is the industry. So whatever the product or service is that the company provides, who are the other players in that market? Where does this company fit? Are they the leading provider? Do they have the largest market share? Are they a small up-and-comer? You know, where do they fit into the market? What is their competitive advantage versus some of the other players and vice versa? And then finally, you want to research the specific product or service that the company provides. So particularly if it's something very technical or um, something complex, you want to have a pretty good sense. It doesn't mean you have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of the product uh, as if you were already selling it or making it, but you want to know enough about it to speak intelligently at the interview and to ask intelligent questions during the interview. And then finally, you want to research the specific role. So find out anything you can. Is there someone else who has that same job or used to have the job? Could you speak to the incumbent or the most recent holder of that job? Could you find someone in another company who does that same job? Who can you speak to to get a better sense of what the actual day-to-day -day activities are going to be like? And then once you have that knowledge, that should inform some of the questions that you might ask the employer in the interview to kind of get clarification and kind of follow-up questions. So that's number three. Number four, you want to research your interviewer. So LinkedIn is this wide open space for you to find out about the people that are going to interview. Most companies, I think, will tell you who will be interviewing you, but if they don't, feel free to ask. I recommend that you reach out to them and connect with them on LinkedIn prior to the interview. And here's some of the things you might want to look at is where have they worked before? So kind of look at and get a sense of their career trajectory. What other roles have they held with that company? So are they a, a recent employee? Are they a long timer with the company? How have they progressed through the company? And P.S. and by the way, this research can also give you a good sense of, is this company hiring from within? Are you seeing a lot of promotions internally? Or are people coming into this company in more senior level roles from outside the company? And what does that tell you? Um, you also want to look at their educational background, and you could ask questions about that, you know, if it's if it's an unusual educational background. But you can also perhaps find a commonality with the interviewer because you attended the same undergraduate institution or got the same major, had the same major. You can also perhaps on LinkedIn and, or do a Google search on them to find out maybe something about what they like to do outside of work. One of the things I do for my clients when writing their LinkedIn profile up at the about section after it's all business, 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 
is I do a sentence or two about what they like to do outside of work. So if you see evidence that this person is an avid fly fisher, fisherman, or the most recent LinkedIn profile I wrote was someone who is a very avid tennis player and tennis watcher, now you have a commonality or perhaps a commonality. But even if you don't know anything about tennis, if you see that this person is very passionate about tennis, you can use that to your benefit. Maybe ask a question about you know, do you play, you know, more of a recreational league? Are you, you know, what, like maybe find out a little bit about what their level is. What do they like best about tennis? So you're getting them talking about themselves, even if that's something you know nothing about. So that's number four. Number five, you want to plan your interview attire. And I want to be clear in saying that this applies regardless of the mode of interview. So I think that many people think, well, I'm, I'm not going to be there in person. It's a phone interview. What does it matter? Or it's a Zoom interview. It really only matters from the, you know, the neck up. But my number one piece of advice to clients who are having a virtual interview is to dress like the interview is in person. There's something about how you show up for that interview differently, better, more professionally when you look the part. So the more you know about the company culture, the specific job you're applying for, and the interviewers, the better you can make a determination about what to wear. I'm going to give you some general rules, but they are just that, general rules. So you really, the more research you can do about what's, you know, what's the dress attire like, not to say that you're going to dress, you know, casually in jeans if that's what they wear every day, but it does help to inform that maybe a little bit more casual is the way to go. So here are some general rules. Number one, dress above the requirements of the job. So again, you know, if, if you're going to be wearing jeans every day, this is a technical position where everybody comes in in jeans and a t-shirt. You certainly don't want to show up for the interview like that. You want to dress as well as, but not better than the boss. Now, how do you find that out? Well, you, you look at their LinkedIn profile, you get a feel for them, you maybe Google them and see if you can see any pictures of them, and you just make an educated guess, ultimately, unless you have some inside intelligence about this boss. Next, look like a well-dressed, successful professional in your field, right? So kind of picture, what does someone who does what I do and is very successful at it, what do they look like? And I want to kind of emulate that. Next, you want to consider styles and colors that work best for you and project the image that you want to project. For example, I had a, a colleague when I worked in Columbus who always wore a red suit when she went to career fairs. Uh, she worked at another university in, uh, in town and she felt like the red suit really made her stand out. I am a, a very tall, large woman. If I wore a red suit into a room, I fear that the other people in the room would go hide, right? So I am, I'm not going to wear something like that. But if you are petite and you wear a bright color or a, you know, like a royal blue or something like that, it may give you a larger presence. And conversely, you may want a smaller physical presence. You also want to think about, you know, again, colors that you look good in, styles that you look good in. Um, I'll be very blunt in saying you will rarely see me in a button-up shirt because I'm uncomfortable with the possibility of the shirt kind of um, gapping, right? And so that's not a comfortable position for me to be in. So really think about that. And then I also recommend, and this is really specifically for the women, although I think there's benefit in it for everyone, 
is to sit down in your interview attire in front of a mirror. This is specific to having maybe a skirted suit on or a dress on because you want to make sure that you're not overexposed. <laughs> so look in the mirror and see because that's what the interviewer is going to see. Um, especially if it's in person, you know, can I cross my legs? Can I get up and sit down comfortably? Can I go upstairs comfortably? Um, I think that that's such a big piece of the interview attire, especially so many interviews you, uh, in, at least in a subsequent interview, they might be giving you a tour of a large facility. They may have you walking quite a bit. So you really want to think about all of that in terms of the shoes that I'm wearing, you know, and what outfit goes with those shoes and all of those things so that I am comfortable and I'm not focused on futzing with my clothes or worrying about how I look. I've, I've got that kind of out of my brain so I can focus on uh, how I respond to interview questions and how I show up. I also recommend that you break in those shoes ahead of time. So if you buy new shoes, make sure they're comfortable and also get out in that parking lot and scuff them up good, wear them around the house some, maybe wear them if you can out a, a few times so that they are not new. They're A, not killing your feet, but B, they're also uh, safer that way. And then finally, in most fields, I want you to avoid trendiness and go for a more classic look. But if you're in a creative field like um, graphic art or, you know, PR, marketing, you can get away with a little bit more creativity in your, in your clothing. And again, knowing what you can know about the company culture is really helpful there. So that's number five. Number six, I want you to bring hard copies of your resume and a pad folio. So if you don't know what a pad folio is, it's that thing that you can get at Walmart or Target that has a legal pad in it. There's a place for pins. There's um, a, a pocket that you can put these resumes in and also a place to collect business cards. And if you have business cards, you can have them in there as well. This is a nice repository. It's contained. You don't want a briefcase. You don't want to be pulling things out of something where they're tattered up and they've been smushed into a purse. You want to have that nice professional pad folio. This is also going to give you a place to have written down your interview questions and to take notes at the appropriate time during the interview. So you kind of, it's all very self-contained and I highly recommend a pad folio that is nice and professional. They're not expensive. That's number six. Number seven, you want to practice your speaking voice and your body language. And the best way to do this is going to be with Zoom or some other recording uh, process. You want to practice. You can do it by yourself, but better yet if you can do it with a friend and better still if you can do it with an interview coach like me who will be able to give you expert advice as opposed to just sort of their opinion from their perspective. Some of the things you're going to want to be looking for to kind of fix is things like vocal fillers. So that can be an um or an ah. My, my vocal filler of choice is the word so at the beginning of sentences. I'm working on that one. But also I'm hearing increasingly with young people the use of sort of. So it's, it's, it is a vocal filler. So they, they've got something they want to say. And instead of sort of saying it, they sort of, uh, it's a, it's a pause. So any of those kinds of things. And there's also mispronunciation and misuse of words. And of course you may not realize that you've done that. So that's when it's really helpful to have someone else. I can remember years ago working with a student when I was in higher education, and I don't remember the word that she was misusing, but it was a pretty big misuse of a word. She misunderstood the meaning of the word. 
And I corrected her on that. And, and that was a huge deal because that was a really kind of egregious misuse of, of that particular word. And then also nervous habits. So that could be anything from, I see a lot of women who are playing with their hair, touching it constantly, or maybe pushing up their glasses unnecessarily too many times, um, touching their face, any of those kinds of things. So if you see, for example, that you're touching your hair, that you're pushing your hair out of your face, then you want to solve for that before the interview. So can I wear my hair up and, and or back? How can I solve this? Take that kind of out of the equation. So that's number seven. Number eight, conduct mock interviews. So this kind of feeds nicely into the one I just talked about. So having a coach that you can practice with is going to help make you perfect. I'm working with a client right now. We're doing three interview coaching sessions. She has an interview in a long time. She has an opportunity for an internal promotion and she is preparing optimally for this interview. And so she has gotten tremendous value out of understanding how to approach questions differently and how to prepare for interview questions. And I want to be clear in saying there's nothing manufactured or false about this. We're not, I'm not telling her what to say. I'm not putting the words in her mouth. I'm helping her to answer the question in a way that is authentic to her and more effective in helping her candidacy. So that's number eight. Number nine plan out your travel arrangements. So this one, of course, is specific to in-person interviews, but I am seeing clients having in-person interviews more frequently as things loosen up. Maybe not the initial interviews, but many companies are getting to the point now where they are requiring that in-person piece, that step, before they make the job offer. So you'll want to be very clear with the representative. Oftentimes it's a, an, an administrative assistant, an office manager, or someone who is helping you with the travel arrangements. And you just want to be very clear on who's doing what, how is the payment being handled. And, and no, none of this is mercenary. It's just simply clarification. So knowing who's making the hotel arrangements, how do I find out what those arrangements are? Um, will everything be, you know, billed to the company or do I pay and get reimbursed? Again, not mercenary. You're not trying to get out of paying anything. You just need very clear understanding of it. You want to, you know, a, a one that's a big one for me is if I'm flying in somewhere, I want to be very clear on has an arrangement been made for someone to pick me up? And if so, what's the situation? How will I find them? Um, or am I responsible for my own, you know, cab or whatever? And I want you to double and triple check these arrangements prior to departure. You don't want anything to stress you out relative to the travel. And, and trust me, nothing will stress you out more than that. So get very clear on, you know, what are my connections? What's the hotel reservation situation, transportation, all of that. That's number nine. Number 10, sell yourself. And I... I get this specifically from women. They're like, oh, you know, I just don't feel comfortable talking about myself. And my response is always the same. It ain't bragging if you can prove it. So as long as you have evidence and examples to support whatever it is you're saying about yourself, you're not bragging. You're just conveying information that the interviewer must have in order to make an effective decision. I highly recommend that you have metrics or statistics that demonstrate your accomplishments and growth. 
So any kind of metrics that you can have, whether those live on your resume or maybe you have some additional metrics that didn't fit in the resume, but you want them at the ready. Now, if you have a phone or a Zoom interview, then that can be part of your little cheat sheet that's in front of you. Those statistics, you don't have to keep them on the top of your head. You can just refer to the notes. And you may also be able to do that depending on the circumstance in an in-person interview. But the main story that I want you to hear here is don't be modest about sharing your accomplishments. I want you to be bold with your achievements and be proud of them. You should be. Number 11, finally, follow up and follow through. Although I am a huge fan of the handwritten thank you note, I do recognize that it's not it's not possible in many cases in this these days. So I've kind of acquiesced that it's not always viable. If you have the opportunity, and particularly if the interviewer has presented himself or herself as kind of old school, not particularly into technology maybe, or you just, there may be a little bit older, I do like the idea of still of a handwritten thank you note. However, email thank you notes are perfectly fine, and in many cases, the better option. It's key before you leave the interview that you find out what the next step in the hiring process is, and then you want to offer to reach out to touch base at an appropriate time. So the question I want you to ask is, what's the next step in the hiring process? If you have any questions about what they say, ask for clarification, and then kind of insert yourself into it. So would it be all right if I called you on Friday? So depending on what they say, you know, when is an appropriate time? So let's just say they say this is a, they're interviewing on a Friday and they said, well, we have interviews all next week and we plan to meet Friday afternoon of next week to discuss who we want to bring in for second round interviews. Would it be all right if I touch base with you uh, Friday at noon to see how things are progressing? Also, if the process drags on with the hiring process, as it does with so many companies, you want to stay in regular contact. And what does that look like? Well, it could be weekly, could be biweekly, meaning every other week, to let the hiring authority know you're still interested in a position. One of the things that happens with companies who drag hiring on is that people start to drop off because they get other job offers and they move on. When you are making these communications, if appropriate, you can also add value by letting them know that you've gotten an additional achievement, you finished that certification, you received a recognition, and you might also even give them kudos for something that you saw in the, in the news about them personally or the company. And then it's also totally appropriate, and I encourage you to let them know if you've received another offer especially if you'd rather work at the, their company. So here's the scenario. You've interviewed at ABC company. You've interviewed at XYZ company. XYZ company has offered you a position. You have said to XYZ company, thank you so much. I will, can I let you know next Friday, you know, get five days or so. You really are interested in ABC company, really maybe more, at least as much as XYZ. So you reach out to ABC Company and you say, you know, hi, I'm Jane Smith and I interviewed for the position of blah, blah. I've been given another offer by another company. However, I wanted to touch base with you and let you know that and see where we were with the hiring process. I like for you to say enough about the XYZ offer so that they know it's legit without telling them anything too specific. 
I don't want you to tell them the name of the company. I don't want you to tell them the job, the job title. And I don't want you to tell them certainly the salary offer. But you could say something like it's another tech company or it's uh, a company in, you know, it's a larger company in, you know, the area or it's just give them something so that they know it's legit. What will typically happen in those situations is a very polar response. If they are not considering you seriously, they will release you pretty quickly and they'll say, we th you know, you should probably take the other offer or something like that. If they are interested in you, they might say something like, let me see what I can do. I'll get back to you by end of business. And they're going to speed up their process because they don't want to lose you. What I want you to understand in this kind of negotiation phase that I'm talking about is that you are a valuable asset and you are giving ABC company a chance to acquire that asset rather than just blowing them off, taking the XYZ job. They call at some future time and say, hey, we'd like to offer you the position. And you're like, yeah, I already got a job. Or worse yet, you leave XYZ after a day or two and go work for ABC company, which can really be a nightmare for your professional reputation. So better to give any players, and this could work with multiple companies. You could have two or three companies that have already you've interviewed with and you are very interested in their positions and you want to get a bead on where they stand with the hiring process before you accept XYZ's offer. And that's what I recommend that you do. So I want to go over those 11 steps to really prepare for a job interview again. And uh, if you got any questions about it, reach out to me, Lisa, L-E-S-A, at Exclusive Career Coaching, or find me on the socials, and I'll be glad to answer your questions. So number one, carefully examine the job description. What is it they're looking for you to do, and how does that match up with what you bring to the table? Number two, get crystal clear on why you want the job, why you want to work for that employer, why you're the best candidate for the job. Number three, conduct in-depth research of the company, the company culture, the industry, the product or service the company provides, and the specific role. Number four, research the interviewers on LinkedIn and maybe even Google them to find out what they've done in their career, what's, what are they interested in, where do they go to school, etc. Number five, plan your interview attire. The more that you know about the company and the position, the better you can do that. Number six, bring hard copies of your resume. Use a padfolio for that. Number seven, practice your speaking voice and body language. Get feedback if possible. Number eight, conduct mock interviews, which is going to help you with number seven and also with your answers themselves. Number nine, plan out your travel arrangements, double and triple check them. Number 10, sell yourself. Number 11, follow up and follow through after the interview. Hope this has been helpful and I'll see you next time. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.